What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Back with you as we are each and every week. Coming off a very exciting U.S. Open on Father's Day weekend. We'll recap that for you uh, here at the beginning of the show and then take a look ahead at the coming week's Travelers Championship. Uh, elevated event with a, uh, a very strong field. Not sure who thought that was the best planning the week after a major all the way across the country, but uh, that's what we have this week, and we will break it down for you here tonight. Uh, and we've got a three-man booth tonight, so we've got a special guest. Of course, I am Justin Van Zuden, STL Cardinals 84, as always, hosting the show for you. Uh, but we've got Matt Vincenzi with us tonight as well from uh, Action Network uh, does a lot of golf content over there, and uh, happy to uh, bring him along on the show tonight. Uh, Matt, how was your U.S. Open weekend? How are you doing? Thanks for coming on. It was good. I'm happy to be here. Uh, I was looking forward to doing this. Uh, it was it was all right. The U.S. Open didn't really go the way I wanted it to go. I didn't have Wyndham Clark, so I didn't win. Uh, DFS was all right, but hey, you can't win them all, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, pretty impressive performance there from uh, Wyndham Clark, who had never finished higher than 75th in a major and then he wins the u.s open uh which uh, just uh, crazy it's just golf for you sometimes those things happen rory's drought continues but still uh in the mix yet again falls just one short uh scheffler after a tough start once again battles back uh, and gets in the mix as well uh and uh, of course we'll bring in my other co-host mr notorious Derek farnsworth and i know Noto, uh, assuming that uh, it wouldn't have hurt you too bad from a uh, DFS embedding perspective, I know you're probably rooting for Ricky there on the weekend. Yeah, Ricky had my heart. Um, Scheffler had my wallet, and uh, Wyndham stole both of those. So, uh, yeah, not the best uh, U.S. Open for me. But, uh, yeah, pumped that Matt on. I mean, he's the hottest golf better in the industry right now. So if you aren't following him, uh, what's your Twitter handle, by the way? It's at uh, Matt Vincenzi PGA. There you go. So give him a follow. And uh, yeah, we're pumped to have him on. And uh, yeah, what'd you guys think of the course and uh, how everything played out on Sunday? I mean, this course, I, and I know Noto, you mentioned that you were as excited to see this course as you were uh, any in a long time. And man, this course just got beat up in the media. Just uh, some of the players talking bad about it. Uh, the the ticketing thing became a little bit of a fiasco. The the, the spectators not being able to get near the holes on uh, on a few of them and, uh, you know, not a U.S. Open style setup. And I was surprised at just how much uh, negative press that uh, LACC has gotten here over the last four days. So I, I found that interesting. I'll reserve judgment uh, for now. But, uh, Matt, your thoughts on uh, on what we saw last week? And I agree with most of the negative things that were said. I think it might have gotten over the top on Thursday. I kind of cautioned people that it would revert. Uh, the course setup would kind of fight back a little bit, and it did. Um, the, the, the winning score wasn't out of control. That being said, you know, I think it was a pretty forgettable U.S. Open overall. You know, and I didn't like the fairways being so wide on 18. You see, I mean, Wyndham Clark's swing looked pretty similar to Mito Pereira's swing at the PGA Championship last year, and he finds the right edge of the fairway, and it's like a, a finishing hole that was really forgettable. Overall, the event I thought was forgettable. I didn't love the course. I mean, I liked the course. Um, if it was a LA open or a, you know, a playoff event or something, but I just didn't love it for a U.S. open. Yeah. Noto, what do you think? I mean, you were super excited. Do you think the negativity is a little over the top or how'd you end up feeling? Yeah, I didn't dislike it as much as everyone else, but uh, it did not live up to the hype. That's for sure. Um, everybody was saying this is going to be one of the best major championship venues that we've ever seen. 
And uh, like Matt said, I think it was pretty forgettable. Um, I didn't love the wide fairways. Uh, it seemed like, you know, if you hit a little bit off course, you could roll all the way into the fairway or, you know, Rory hit a drive on number eight on Sunday that hit the top of the hill, rolled all the way back into the middle of the fairway. We saw guys um, kind of using number 15 T as a backstop on number 14 um, for their second shot into the green on the par five. I didn't love that. Um, and even Siwoo Kim almost got hit with the ball. That was kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, you mentioned Wyndham Clark's drive on 18. That should have been punished uh, by him being in the rough. But overall, I thought the course was fine, just not uh, my favorite U.S. Open setup that we've, that we've ever seen. Just to add something real quick, um, what I also didn't like, it. I don't think it rewarded strong iron play enough. And in retrospect, it makes sense that Wyndham Clark won because guys who bomb it did really well because I – you know, it wasn't penal with misses because the fairway was so wide. And then, you know, really good putters in which Wyndham Clark is. But you look at four of the top five guys on strokes gained approach was, I think Hideki was there, didn't really finish very well. Munoz was up there, didn't really finish very well. So I, I don't think it really brought the total tee to green game, you know, the best player of the week to the top. So I agree with the comments on the fairways being a little too wide. I mean, there was no way that that drive on 18 should have been in the fairway. Um, but the one thing that I, I will kind of push back on the general public thoughts is everyone decries that it's not a U.S. Open course whenever somebody shoots, you know, what, what 10 under was the winning score. But. On the other hand, in today's day and age of golf, with how far guys are hitting it, the equipment, the golf balls, uh, it's just going to be hard to design any course where it's the old, you know, plus two, plus one winning the U.S. Open, unless it's just a complete Mickey Mouse setup. And I think that, you know, the criticism of, oh, my goodness, a guy can shoot a 62 uh, I think that was a little overblown because if you just shot course average on Thursday was plus 1.4 Friday was plus 2.2. So that's 3.6 over uh, Saturday was plus 1.8. So that's 5.4 over and Sunday was plus 1.6. So if you shot field average every day, you're finishing seven over par, uh, which yeah, maybe it's not as tough as the U S open used to be 10 or 15 years ago, but every other event, I mean, guys are shooting, six, eight, 10 strokes better for winning scores. And, you know, we complain when it's 25 under, um, I, I just, I mean, Noto, I just don't think that the, the old par winning score, I, I just don't think you're going to get that anymore on hardly any course. And I feel like the criticism from that perspective is a little bit unfair. Yeah. I'm okay with the double digit, uh, under par winning score. I did see a funny tweet that the USGA, it's their plan all along to have an easier us open so that they can, uh, get the rollback going um, here in the next couple of years. I thought that was uh, pretty funny, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. I mean, we saw the Memorial tournament play. I think the winning score was what eight under or nine under something like that. So it's definitely possible for them to still keep it in the single digits, but yeah, I didn't have any strong takeaways. I wish there were more fans at the course. And, you know, a lot of this stuff comes down to, you know, you have good memories when you have good DFS teams and good bets at a specific event. And uh, maybe that's why I just don't have those warm and fuzzy feelings. Um, for the, for the U.S. Open this week. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was definitely a, a crazy finish. I mean, I, I don't know if anyone really gave Clark a shot, even uh, heading into Sunday. Um, you know, you basically had a four-player race there, and people wanted Ricky to get it done or thought that Rory or Scheffler uh, in that second-to-last group would get it done. And, and Clark, you know, just uh, – I thought when he – 
botched up the par five there, number eight. I, I thought, you know, maybe it's going to start coming off the tracks, but uh, managed to to salvage that hole and and study the ship after that and uh, got lucky with the drive on 18 and, and ended up uh, making his par to win the tournament. So uh, kudos to him for that. Uh, Matt, any other takeaways in general from the event or specific players or things you're going to uh, take for notes heading into uh, as we turn the page into a new week? The last thing I'll say is I think Rory was pretty disappointing on Sunday. I know a lot of people like to spin it every which way in terms of, um, you know, he just got beat or this guy played better or whatever. But every time he's gone in this position, he hasn't attacked the way that he should. And I'm not saying go go after every pin, but I'm saying understand when the time is to be aggressive uh he lays up on uh 14 which you know the stats will show you that if you laid up that your stroke average just became over par um i thought he had he could have put something up around the green with an easier up and down than what he than what he had um i think there's only two birdies from the spot that he was on the fairway and one was a denny mccarthy 30 foot putt so i don't i don't love the strategy there i think he was trying to just play it and hoping that Wyndham clark would come back to him and he didn't um, and that's kind of how we played, uh, not to lose at St. Andrews as well. So I do think he deserves some criticism. Yeah. Good points there. I, I think, uh, you know, if he would have been a little bit more aggressive and I know it's hard to be aggressive with some of those, uh, with the way the greens were playing, but, uh, you just had so many 20, 25, 28 footers, and uh, you're just not going to make a ton of those. And, uh, he didn't get lucky enough to have one of those fall for a birdie. Noto, any other takeaways uh, from last week for you as we move forward? Yeah, I thought it was kind of funny that a lot of our expectations of certain golfers kind of came to fruition. Uh, Xander Schauffele, near the lead, ended up, you know, falling apart. Very first hole on Saturday. Patrick Cantlay, nowhere near the lead, ends up backdooring a top 15. So we're going to look back and say, oh, Patrick Cantlay, three straight top 15s of the U.S. Open, even though he was never in it. <laughs> Max Homa continues to struggle at the, at the majors, just can't get it done. And then Rory, man, the wedge let him down. Uh, Matt mentioned it laid up on the par five. And once again, um, the wedges have been, you know, his biggest issue. And he even got a break. I mean, he got that free drop out of the lip of the bunker. Couldn't get it up and down from there. And uh, even got a break uh, on, was it 16, where he hit it 50 yards left. And so, yeah. He I mean, in the other fairway, yeah. Yeah, props to Clark. I mean, he, he had a lot of bad shots, but he recovered better than anyone else did on Sunday. So uh, he was a deserving winner. I was hoping, uh, you know, Chef or Cam or Ricky would get it done, but uh, that's all right. I don't have in front of me right now, but something like uh, only, I think, four of the top 18 price players on DraftKings last week missed the cut. Uh, so I, there were a few, you know, popular plays that uh, ended up uh, trunk slamming on Friday, but uh, most of the uh, higher end plays did end up making the cut. Now, how they performed on the weekend, you know, a little bit hit or miss, but uh, there was cream rising to the top in general theme as uh, you would expect with a major tournament so uh, matt anything else you want to add or uh, or else we can uh, start uh, looking at a new week here no i'm excited to talk about the travelers i'm going to be in attendance uh, at the course this week so uh, this is one of my favorite events uh, really looking forward to talking about this yeah lots of history here and again uh, tpc river highlands will be your host course I'll let the guys break it down here in a second, but uh, we've going, we're going from LA to Connecticut, uh, which normally if you just had a regular PGA tour event in Connecticut, the week after a major in Los Angeles, uh, we'd be talking about, you know, one of the weaker fields you'll see on tour. 
um, just because of, you know, the, the grind of a U.S. Open and then the travel. I mean, that's uh, basically as far across the country uh, as you can get. It is uh, 2,904 miles from L.A. to Cromwell, Connecticut. But we've got most of the bigger names teeing it up because of the elevated event, the bigger prize pools, uh, or the bigger purse uh, this week for the players. Uh, so it's uh, it'll be interesting to hear how the travel narratives play out, right, with the guys that uh, uh, maybe had a grueling four days and were in the mix at the U.S. Open. Are they going to go lower owned this week? Um, we've got plenty of course history here from an event that has uh, been contested at the same venue for quite some time. So lots of talking points for us. Uh, Noto, why don't you start with kind of a general overview of the course this week? Yeah, so you mentioned uh, TBC River Highlands in Connecticut. It is a par 70, uh, just over six to 800 yards. So one of the shortest courses that we're going to see on the PGA Tour. A lot of holes are going to be less than driver. Um, like most P-Die designs, it's just not a course that you want to overpower off the tee. And uh, with these wide landing areas, I was looking at data golf today, about 37 yards wide on average. You're going to get a high percentage of fairways hit and regulation. Uh, and then the green is pretty small, 5,000 square feet on average. They're also pretty easy to hit. Um, difficulty has been between 19th and 32nd over the last five years. So pretty average um, in terms of PJ Tour difficulty. Pretty much any type of golfer can contend here. You don't have to be a bomber, uh, accuracy guy, iron player. It seems like a, a nice mix of players that perform well here over the years. And uh, most of the approach shots going to come between 125 and 175, at least compared to Tour average. So if you do want to look at proximity, I don't mind looking at those two um, little buckets there. Ultimately, you want to make a lot of birdies, probably have to make 20 plus birdies to find yourself in contention. And that's really all I got. Not a strong course fit for me this week. All right, uh, Matt, you mentioned you're going to be in attendance first time uh, or are you a regular attendee of this event or? No, I go every year and uh, it's a great course. And the players rave about, you know, the whole setup there and, uh, you know, everything that goes on there, just a top notch uh, at that tournament. And kind of like Roto said there, um, there was, if you look at the course, it's the easiest fairways to hit on tour. Um, you know, shortest course on tour. There are really easy to hit green. So why is it play average in terms of difficulty? So there's a lot of quirks, I think, to the course that people kind of, why I think course history is important. Players who play it well all the time. Um, you know, there are, uh, it's like, it, it's a Pete Dye track. So I think you got to hit the right levels of the green. Definitely a second shot golf course. So I, I think it's a really interesting course. Yeah, this is definitely an event that uh, that I kind of like. It, it's you know a, a nice change of pace after a major, and it'll be interesting to see how the kind of the, with the loaded field, how that fares. We've got a full 156 in the field this week, uh, with the four Monday qualifiers as well, um, and then uh, Min Wuli also got in the field with his uh, top 10 finish at the U.S. Open. So, uh, will be a super fun tournament here, and uh, yeah, we can go ahead and uh, and dig in. So. I mentioned the strong field. We've basically got uh, the same big names that we had last week. We've got five golfers above 10K on DraftKings this week. Uh, Scheffler uh, continues to uh, lead the pricing at 11.3, then Rory at uh, at 10.9. And, of course, they were both uh, in the mix there at the U.S. Open. And then you had Rahm, Shoffley, and Cantlay. Uh, Shoffley kind of went the wrong way on the weekend, and Cantlay went uh, the right way on the weekend. Uh, but those are your five golfers above 10k and uh matt I'll, I'll let you start here how are you kind of handling this uh this top range for uh for dfs and and betting this week 
Yeah, I, I have a, a, a concern this week that a lot of people are going to be playing um, the same golfers this week because I think coming off the major, it's I have a feeling ownership is going to be really bunched up in certain spots. So, you know, and I like a play, the plays that I think are going to be fairly obvious. But um, for me, I, I'm fading the top three and Scheffler, Rory, and Rom both betting in DFS. Can they go out here and, and bring their best stuff and win? Absolutely, they always can. But would they be here if it wasn't uh, an elevated event? Probably not. Rory even said after the uh, tournament that he was just focusing on the Open, and that's really all he cares about right now is, is his next major. He is a disappointment. Um, you know, we saw him miss time after the Masters when he missed the cut. I just think he's you know not being the best mental state to do this. Shuffler could do it, sure. Rom, yeah, but to me, this is a place where almost like Heritage the week after the Masters, um, I kind of was looking at players who are like the elite versions of the skill set that usually does well at that golf course. And I feel like for this, that's Cantlay. That's why he always does good. And that's Shoffley. Um, Shoffley is a little bit too deep into contention for me. So for me, the guy here is Cantlay. He's probably the only guy I'm going to be playing above 10K. Yeah, the last five years at this event, Cantlay 15th, 15th, 11th, 13th, 13th. So Five straight top 15s uh, and somehow no top 10s in that mix, but very, very consistent, uh, good course fit, clearly likes playing here. And he is the only golfer, uh, let's see, he is the only golfer priced above 8,500 on DraftKings that has played here each of the last five years. Not till you get down to Jason Day. Uh, is there another player that's played here in each of the last five editions for what that's worth? So, uh, Noto, how are you handling the top range this week? Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. Uh, Cantley is going to be my favorite guy above 10K. You mentioned the course history, the Pete Dye angle. Uh, the form has been pretty good. He's been T30 or better in nine straight. So uh, I do like Cantley quite a bit. Certainly not going to talk anyone out of playing Scotty Scheffler. Um, T to green, he's having the best season since Tiger Woods in 2006. And he's finished T12 or better in 16 straight starts. So if you like uh, guys that's going to finish top 10, um, I don't mind playing some Scheffler up top. Probably not going to be on Rory. Probably not going to be on Rom. And then uh, no, no issue with Xander. I mean, he's another guy that you know tends to play these courses as well. But uh, you know, the defending champ I always tend to be a little bit underweight on, just because it comes with those uh, you know extra media obligations. And uh, you know, he was kind of in the mix. You know, first two rounds at the U.S. Open. So I prefer Cantlay above everyone else, uh, above 10K. And then uh, Funny Walls in the chat's asking. Did Scheffler seem off with his off the tee approach or off the tee last week? And I just looked it up. I mean, he gained over a stroke per round off the tee. So I wouldn't worry too much about uh, off the tee for Scheffler. Yeah, he's pretty much uh, just as consistent as they get uh, from tee to green. I know on one of the broadcasts last week they were talking about, you know, is it time for him to make a putter change? Uh, obviously, that's been the only club that's, you know, remotely inconsistent for him. And yet he's still uh, we, we we broke this down last week, but still posting, you know, top 12 finishes, top 15 finishes every week. So uh, think, I'm uh, in agreement. Go ahead. I think he did change his putter. He just went with a little bit bigger head is what he was saying last week. Maybe he just needs to try the Walmart model or something <laughs> see if that. <laughs> if that works out uh we can't uh we can't disparage scheffler dude's just been uh, on fire uh and imagine if he was just putting it to her average it just uh, be crazy um yeah real quick note um noto as you said he did gain i think he's gained four strokes for the week off the tee but um he friday i mean it was a kind of a big story where he got rid of that old driver he was hitting on the range and he threw it when he was done with it so that round i think probably what the comment was talking about it really he wasn't great and i think that almost cost him the tournament friday he was a little bit 
Aaron off the tee, and I think he thought that driver had something to do with it. He still gained a half a stroke on that day, but that was his worst driving day of the four rounds. So I do see a little bit of that concern. I don't think it continues, especially at a place like this, where you're going to hit a lot of less than driver on most of these holes. Um, and I don't know if you remember this last year. I mean, we say Cantley came in 11th or 15th or whatever it was, but he was in the final group of Xander. I was on yeah. him. I was there. Yeah. And it was a, it was a horrific experience. The par three is about 200 yards. And he, I don't know if you remember this. He hit a he hit a shot that went about 120 into the water. I had no idea what the hell was going on. Yep. And then he pulled, uh, went out of bounds, left on his drives. Yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty bad. Well, maybe this week is the time he puts it all together and gets a W. I'm in agreement that I think he's the best play of the uh, 10K plus golfers this week. I really worry about Rory, um, you know, just kind of going through the motions coming off that tough uh, runner up finish. So, uh, he's probably definitely the guy I'm off in here. Uh, fine with the others, with uh, with Cantley being my favorite. All right, Noto, I'll let you lead off the next tier. We get into the 9Ks. We've got Hovland, Finau, Morikawa, Fleetwood, last week's win- winner, Wyndham Clark, and then uh, also Ricky Fowler in the 9Ks as well. Uh, will be interesting to see where ownership ends up f- going for those two golfers this week. But what do you think of the 9K range? Yeah, Wyndham Clark, easy uh, cross-off for me just for the fact that he just won the U.S. Open. Uh, after his first win, you know, he talked about you know, he was going to party it up the entire next week, and then he came out in his next event and missed the cut. So uh, I think he's going to thoroughly enjoy this uh, first major win, and uh, you know, he hasn't been great at this track anyway. So I think uh, Clark's an easy X out for me. Tough one, Colin Morikawa. We know my track record when uh, I like Colin Morikawa. He misses the cut, and uh, that's pretty much what happens every time. Um, but I like him this week. You talk about fairways, greens. The only thing that concerns me, as always, is the putter. But uh, Bentcrest is his best uh, surface when it comes to putting splits. So I do like Morikawa. Fleetwood, obviously, going to be uh, very popular. I think he'll be the most highest zone guy in this range. Um, playing great. Doesn't have a weakness. Um, I thought, you know, he might struggle a bit after losing that tough one at the Canadian Open. But uh, put together that incredible round on Sunday to come top five. Hit the U.S. Open once again. I don't have a strong take on anybody else. I mean, I think you're going to get Finau at lower ownership. I think you're going to get Fowler at lower ownership. So if you want to play some tournaments, I don't mind firing up those guys. And I do think it's a pretty good setup for Hovland as well. All right, Matt, your take on this 9K range this week. Yeah, I'm going to have to try to find some places to be unique in terms of my lineup building because I I do like Tommy the best out of these guys. Um, And I think he definitely, uh, like Noto said, I agree he'll – get the most ownership in this ra- in this range. Uh, I think Ricky might generate a little bit at that price, considering what he, you know, how, uh, how we played last week. And the fact this course should probably set up pretty well for him, even though he doesn't play it often. Um, Colin, I, I would guess he'd be the second highest owned in this, in this area. And he makes a lot of sense. He's starting to play a lot better. The approach numbers are getting better. They're not quite peak Colin Morikawa that we've gotten used to, you know, when he was winning all the time. Um, I still, I don't know, slightly concerned. He, he pulled out two weeks ago with the back spasm. And then, um, you know, obviously it's the U.S. Open. He's going to play and he played well. But, you know, there is a little bit of a question mark there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to play Tommy. I, I just think he's playing so well. I know that the Sunday 63 made the finish look better than it really probably should have been. But he's been great in the Northeast. He's played Shinnecock, Bethpage. Not that they're similar courses, but he's played this region very, very well. So that's probably where I'm going to go. Yeah, hard to dislike Fleetwood for sure after that finish. And, uh, and you know, even though it was Sunday and it 
it was one round that moved him up the leaderboard. I mean, all the, all the rounds count. So uh, kudos to him for, for gutting it out and ending up with the, uh, with the backdoor top five at the end of it. I think he's clearly the, the play in this range as well. Uh, you got Matt Fitzpatrick down at 9,000. Even I uh, certainly think that, uh, that he's a decent play too. Uh, hasn't played here all that often. So hopefully the course history people stay off of him. Um, had a decent week, but really wasn't ever in the mix last week to where, you know, you were seeing coverage of him on TV and all that. So uh, Fitzpatrick at 9,000, I think is a decent play. And it's really interesting because once we get into the eight Ks and you got Max Homa failed at another major, he's missed the cut the last three times he's played here. Uh, Justin Thomas now, you know, injury possibly, or just, just not playing anywhere near the standard we're used to from Justin Thomas. Sung M is not playing very well either. I mean, this next range, uh, you've got a lot of guys who, you know, they've shown spurts. I mean, even Jason Day has faded a bit over the past month. Um, Cameron Young has faded over the past month. Uh, Matt, I'll start with you. Is there anybody in this kind of 84 to 9K range that you feel remotely good about? I, I love Hideki this week. Uh I bet him outright. He was a 65 on FanDuel, which I thought was absolutely crazy. I know he's, you know, hit or miss. I know we're worried about the injury, the neck. Uh, I know he was horrible on Sunday. Even with that horrible Sunday, he led the U.S. Open in strokes gained approach. And now he's 65 to 1 the next, you know, the next week. Um, and I think it should be a good course for him. It should set up really well. He's never played it here before just because it hasn't fit in his schedule. But, uh, you know, I like that he can go less than driver. I like that. Uh, that proximity range, the 125 to 175. I think he's really good in that range. Um, he likes putting on bent grass as well. Uh, that bent poem mix too, he's been pretty successful with. Um, I, I, I like Decky, so he's a risk. Um, he's probably a better bet than a, than a DraftKings play, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna play him anyway. All right, Noda, you like this range? Anybody in here? Yeah, I think Decky would probably be my favorite. Um, just to add to what Matt said, he's gained 26 on the 26 strokes on approach in his last seven starts, so the irons have been great. Little surprising that he hasn't played here before, but uh, yeah, I think he's solid. And then I do like Jason Day a little bit. I know he's been really bad since the win, but anytime you get him on a Pete Dye track, I mean, even when he was in his worst form, 2018 finished 12th, the next year 8th, um, 2021 he finished 10th. So even when he was playing bad, uh, he's shown up here and played pretty well. So I like him uh, if he's going to be low owned. I mean, if he's going to be popular, I'll, I'll look elsewhere. But man, I had to double check my model this morning because I ran it and uh, Justin Thomas rated out 31st overall in the model and uh yeah that's pretty bad um 8800 and i still can't uh, get behind the play so i thought uh, you were gonna say you thought he's gonna be lower than 31st with how he's been playing oh well i mean it gives him so he's 14th most expensive guy gives him a negative 17 uh, and the plus minus is not great um and the stat model it's even worse it's just stats he's 63rd in the model but uh Oof. yeah it's pretty ugly um and he takes on max homa after such a disappointing event can you bounce back here? I am not a Max Homa guy. Never have been. Um, I've uh, I've loved fading him, especially in, at these majors when everyone thinks he can turn the corner. I haven't really thought that he could. Um, there's nothing about this setup that makes me think he'll be great here, especially it seems his plays tailed off lately. Um, I'm not going to go there. I did want to just jump on what you said about Jason Day real quick. 
Um, cause I remember going to this tournament 2017, 2018, or after he was kind of going through the vertigo stuff and he was horrible. And I was like, I remember betting matchups against him and following his group around. And he just kept making birdies. I was like, what the hell is going on? I thought this guy sucks now. And it's and like you said, he's good here, even when he's playing bad and he is playing bad. And I, and I don't think he's going to be high owned at all. I think he's going to be a, a really, uh, big pivot a very risky pivot but i do think you have a chance to kind of get some serious leverage if he plays well and you play him yeah i don't think i'm on him this week I, like matt i haven't really been a homa guy I, I did board the ship last week and that was dumb so i'll hop off until it uh you know so it doesn't cost me for another week but if everybody's thinking that way and he's you know three percent owned obviously I, I get it we don't have the ownership numbers yet but uh, sure, he's a little dejected after last week and hasn't played well here in the past. So I think I'm out. Anything else uh, at or above 8K? I mean, I think we've touched on, I guess we've only got Tigala, Lowry, and Kim, uh, two Kims in the uh, 8 to 8,300 range. Noto, anybody else above 8,000 for you? I actually like all four of the guys uh, in that lower 8K range. I think I'm going to be betting Siwoo Kim outright, another guy that uh, has won a couple times on P-Tie courses. Um, his course history here has been a little bit mixed, but, I mean, T39 at the U.S. Open, that's by far his best finish at the U.S. Open. So I like uh, him a little bit. Tom Kim, man, he's going to be very popular. I think everyone's going to see this course fit and uh, like him and then see, you know, the last two rounds that he put together last week, and I think he'll be popular. And then Tigala, if you remember last year, uh, he was either tied for the lead or one ahead, heading into 18. He hit a left right up in the lip of the bunker. He tried to do more than he should have instead of just chipping out. Uh, ended up hitting the lip of the bunker and then ended up losing to Xander by one, I think. So uh, I think he's going to be popular as well. Um, a guy that's made 94% of his cuts over the last uh, 16 months. Pretty good. Um, the best of anyone below 9,500 in the field. So I think all those guys are solid. And then, you know, Lowry's just quietly been having another nice season. Yeah, Matt, anything you like on that uh, lower end of the 8K range? Otherwise, you can dip down a little bit lower if you like. I really like Tom Kim as well, um, another popular guy that I like. But I just think this is a course that really should suit him. His irons are finally coming back. He was fourth in the U.S. Open in, in strokes gained approach. Um, it just feels like a really, really great Tom Kim track. Um, am I, I'm a little worried that it's just kind of smoke and mirrors. It was a couple of rounds that he played really great and he might revert back to the Tom Kim of 2023 that we've seen for most of the year. Um, but I really like him Tagala for me is going to be, I think he's gonna be an ownership fade for me. I like him. Um, but I just think, you know, maybe in theory, this shouldn't be the best course in the world for him. He's really driver heavy. He, he kind of sprays it a bit. Um, he's not the typical guy you could think of that does well at, at this golf course um and i did want to touch a little bit on sung jm people have been trying to play him all year long and they've been failing and failing and i i think it almost could be a situation where you know we zig when everyone else zags and play him he's been great he hasn't been great here but he's been great at pete die tracks um the course should suit him there's no reason why he shouldn't play well here he just missed the cut i think you might get a a little bit of a um really big ownership discount on him yeah, I think that's interesting um, because M, you know, used to be one of the guys that, hey, he plays every week. He's steady. He's consistent. Always seems to have that, you know, 13 to 15 percent ownership, but uh, probably not going to be in that range, you know, this week. So uh, worth a shot for sure. If you don't like uh, some of the other guys, I mean, that 85 to 8900 dollar range is fairly weak. So uh, could be worth a look in tournaments. 
Uh, all right, Matt, I'll stick with you as we go into the 7.5 to 7.9 K range. Uh, this is generally where we've seen a lot of people get their values of late. Um, you've got a couple guys that seem to be good fits for, uh, for this track. Keegan Bradley always plays well. He's a Northeast guy, plays well in this part of the country. He's got some good finishes here. Uh, Russell Henley has top 20 finishes in two of his last four visits here. Uh, Harris English won this event a couple years ago and uh, was in the mix last week at the U.S. Open. Brian Harmon, uh, Noto's boy Brian Harmon, has four top tens here the last five years. So uh, Corey Connors, you know, ball striking machine. Minwoo Lee got in with a big finish last week. So it feels like the, this is the range where people are going to start to look uh, for for values. So your thoughts on this kind of seventy five to to seventy nine hundred dollar range? Yeah, just a quick little uh, Harris English story. I was on him when he won, and um, I was with a group of uh, guys following him around. And he is not very friendly. Um, we were we were cheering him on the whole time, trying to get him to react, like not being obnoxious, just cheering him, like let's go, let's go, clapping for him. He would not look, would not give a head nod, nothing. And he wasn't playing that well. It was a Friday, um, so we went somewhere else. And I think he was happy that we left because he ended up shooting like a sixty-two on Saturday, then one in the one in the playoff on Sunday. Um, but for him. I like him in theory, but I think he might've got a little too deep in contention for me. And that's kind of the type of guy I'm trying to go away from um, this week. Uh, and I do like Russell Henley. Um, he's going to be, he, he's probably gonna be the most popular guy in the slate, I believe, uh, which is, isn't great. Um, I was able to bet a 60 or 70, 70 to one in Fiendle when I woke up this morning. Now it's like 35. I might just be happy with that 70 oh, wow. that I got and avoid on, avoid on on in dfs because i'm a little worried about that popularity but everything you know great course history his irons are absolutely fire right now um everything that you want at this golf course he does well so he, he will be tough to avoid all right uh, noto your thoughts on this range well we talked about it last week uh not all the 7k chalk guys could hit and then uh, we had clark we had fowler we had uh somebody else up there too and uh, it kind of feels like there's a lot of strong plays in this range, starting with Henley, like Matt mentioned. Um, Rob in the chat says Matt loves him some Henley, so uh, <laughs> shout out to Rob. Um, Keegan worries me a little bit. I know he plays here a ton, but he's lost on approach in four of his last five, a guy that you know we want to lean on his ball striking, and he's kind of leaning on his short game right now, so that does worry me. Uh, I'm obviously going to be on Brian Harmon. Guy loves the course, four top tens in his last five trips here. Uh, I think he's a good setup for Danny McCarthy. He hasn't played great here in the past, but uh, a guy that can putt it as good as anyone. And then if you want to do the ball striker route, I don't mind going with Corey Connors. And uh, I think this is where Harris English and Hudson, not Hudson Swafford, uh, Kramer Hickok had like that eight-hole playoff, right? That was the same year I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. that's that's uh, that was one of the worst playoffs I've ever seen. Just everyone <laughs> just getting par every hole. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that uh, you know, I think I was on that year too, so. I love him for that, but uh, sorry he wasn't uh, too friendly to you. And speaking of harm in there, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna fade him ownership wise. Like you, you know, you said last week that not all the seven K guys can hit. He's gonna be incredibly popular too. And I think I'll just play Cooch. He's the same guy as Harmon is, and he's gonna be two percent owned instead of twenty percent owned. Um, so I'll take that leverage there. And I think Cooch. He has actually played well here in the past. Um, he didn't play well at the U S open, didn't expect him to. And Harmon did, which, you know, gives him a point, uh, point in that favor, but I'll just, I'll just take the risk and play Cooch over Harmon. How about Mr. Yeager, uh, Mr. Greg, we're contract contractually obligated to mention Yeager every week, even though he wasn't in the field last week, we still talked about him. We um, don't know Matt's stance on Yeager. 
I'm not a big Jaeger guy, really. Um, I have nothing against him, but he's just not a guy I typically pl- typically play. It's okay. Matt will never be invited <laughs> back. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, he's still cheap. Uh, can't argue with the results this year. Uh, obviously, hasn't popped quite as much lately, but uh, 7,500. I, I think there's some n- – nobody in – so we talked about like the 7.5 to 7.9K. There's going to be some chalk in there. Uh, there's some interesting plays in this lower 7K range, but none of them are going to be quite as popular. I think um, Eric Cole is interesting. Grillo, you know, it's all going to come down to the putter. looks like he grades out fairly well in Noto's model this week. Uh, Eckroad is a guy that uh, I've seen some people talking about. Uh, you've just got guys that have shown some upside from time to time, uh, but not quite as consistent as some of those higher end plays. So Noto, I'll stick with you. Uh, what do you think of the lower 7K range here? Yeah, I think Austin Ekro could uh, garner some ownership this week after the good Sunday at the U.S. Open. He's been playing well. Uh, he's got top 20s in three of his last four. But uh, I kind of like the shorter hitters in this range. I like Brendan Todd, a guy that can putt well. Um, C.T. Pan, back-to-back top fives. And we typically, you know, when he was at his highest level of his career, it was these type of tracks um, where he would play well. So 7K for him, I don't mind that. Like Derek Cole call, um, just an easy guy to root for. I mean, just playing the mini tours uh, on his off weeks. I love this guy. Um, so I don't mind him at 73. And Andrew Putnam always seems to rate out well for me. Three for three here. He probably doesn't have a ton of upside, but uh, a cheaper guy that can probably make the cut for you. All right, Matt, what do you think on some of these lower end 7K plays? Yeah, you mentioned actually my favorite bet and my favorite play of the week, CT Pan. Uh, I woke up this morning and bet him at 350 to one. He's down to, I think, 150. Um nice. I absolutely love him here. He's coming off a fourth and then a third in his last two starts. And this should be a course that suits him really, really well. He's played it up and down lately, but he does have an eighth place finish here. And I think in 2017, um, I can, I honestly think he can win the event. Uh, his approach game has been good. He's gained eight or nine strokes from Tita green in those last two starts. He had a wrist surgery early in the year, so he missed a lot of time, but now it seems like he's back and he's, he's playing really well. Um, and he doesn't seem, I don't think he's gonna be all that popular, especially with so many popular guys surrounding him. So he's definitely one of my favorite plays on the entire slate. Yeah. I think you're just going to see, you know, a lot of guys in that the, the better plays in this range are going to be, you know, six, seven, 8% ownership as opposed to, you know, 12, 14, 16% ownership, uh, just how it tends to shake out as you get to the lower part of the seven K range. Um, and then I, you know, and, it's, and especially since there are at least some options that you can consider uh, in the, uh, you know, the punt level range this week, like guys that we've at least uh, talked about before, like a Bramlett or a Svensson or Michael Kim, uh, who's had a really good year. Um, Sam Stevens is a guy that Noto brought up. Uh, he's brought up a couple times uh, that is still 6,800, and he's had a pretty good profile of late. So. Uh, it's not one of those weeks where even though it's a 156 golfer field, there's like nobody to speak of in the 6K range. There are some options there. Uh, Matt, is there anybody else you're feeling as a potential value target or a punt this week? So I do want to mention a couple more in the lower seven just because. Yeah, go for it. If we don't jam in the Rom Scheffler and Rory's, then you can you don't really have to go too deep into the sixes. So I think having a lot of lower seven K plays are good. And the two that I'm really looking at is one uh, Ludwig Aberg, who I absolutely love, just a skill set play, talent play. I think he's one of the more talented players. Um, and we don't really know exactly what his best course fit is going to be yet because he's still so young. He's made one pro start, but I mean he he led uh, the Canadian Open and stroke uh, gained off the tee, gained six point two. Rory gained six point one. 
Uh, and I just think talent play wise, if, if he's triple digits, I'm just going to bet him every week until until he starts getting priced differently because uh, I think he's that type of talent. And then Justin Sutt, 7,200. He's been playing above expectations at more difficult, longer courses. And I think now that you get him on a shorter track, maybe he can start, you know, living up to those expectations he had. I think the price is good. The betting price, I saw 180, 200. Um, and that 7,200 on DraftKings looks nice too. All right. Uh, Noto, anything else above 7K? Or you can dip into the sixes if you like something down there as well. Yeah, one other guy above 7K, Bazudenhout. Talk about this being a second-shot golf course. Uh, over his last seven events, he's gained three, five, four, four, two, and one strokes on approach. So uh, that's the best uh, stretch that he's ever had in his career. And uh, not a long hitter by any means, so the shorter course should help him a little bit. And then the 6Ks, I like uh, Homeless Hubs. Uh, Mark Hubbard at 6,900. He's been a top 10 player um, on approach in this field, which is uh, pretty crazy. Over the last 12 months, he's ninth. Over the last uh, 24 rounds, he's sixth on approach. And uh, he's playing well right now, so I think he's going to be pretty popular. Other than that, I mean, Ben Martin, it seems like it should be a good course for him, but uh, he hasn't been great here in the past. But other than that, I don't have anything else that I really want to do. And uh, to Matt's point, I think it just makes more sense to get more exposure to the low sevens. All right, Matt, anybody else you like as uh, under 7K value this week, or are you stopping there? I like Chez Revy at 6,700. He'll be the most popular guy in the 6K range, but I think for good reason. Uh, he gained five strokes on approach at the U.S. Open. He finished 20, uh, 25th at the uh, sorry Canadian Open, um, and he's won here. He loves this course. Uh, I was on Keegan the year when, when Chez beat Keegan. He ended up beating him by like four strokes, and he kind of dismantled the field a little bit. But he actually absolutely loves this place, so I think that's really really cheap for him. Um, Michael Thor Bjornsson, who is you know one of my favorite players, I've been following him close. He's in the, around the mass amateur scene around where I live, um, and he's absolutely filthy. He he has been playing well in the last couple of starts. wasn't great at the U.S. Open, but he did finish fourth here last year. Um, and you know I I don't mind taking a flyer on him if you're looking to get crazy. All right, uh, that pretty much wraps it up for a discussion here of the Travelers Championship. Uh, we'll probably skip on the snake draft this week since we had three of us and uh, we've already gone about 45 minutes here, but we'll roll that back into the mix. Uh, next week, we've got uh, the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit uh, and then the John Deere Classic after that before we get to the Open Championship. So we'll have a couple of easy courses on the schedule for the, uh, the next couple of weeks. Uh, Noto, anything else you want to pass along before we uh, get out of here for today? Nope. It's uh, kind of sad that the third major is already behind us, but uh, man, uh, I'm excited for this week. And thanks to Matt for coming on. Yeah. Echo that. Thanks, Matt, as well. Anything else you want to pass along, Matt, before we call the show here? No, I really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for having me on. Hopefully you can uh, come on again soon. Absolutely. Happy to have you. And uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks to Steve for producing behind the scenes for us as well. We appreciate his help here on a Monday night. Thanks to Noto. Thanks to Matt. I am Justin. Uh, we wish you all the best of luck this week with the Travelers Championship. And uh, we'll catch you back here next week, everybody. Take care. 